Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey Podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. Okay, great. Well, um, yeah, Hugh, thanks for, for joining us, mate, on the uh, Mountain Malarkey Podcast. My absolute um, pleasure, brother. <laughs> yeah, honestly, uh, no, really appreciate you coming on today. Um, I know we got lots to talk about, um, you know, being a, a mountain man yourself. Um, yeah, we, we got heaps to talk about. Dave, I know uh, we were talking beforehand around, um, obviously, a little bit of research. We do our research a little bit, Hugh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Thank <laughs> you to see. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't tell him that stuff, though. Yeah, don't don't say all of it. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I suppose then, Hugh, we'll start off, I mean, tell us about yourself, um, you know, in terms of what you do and your background, uh, just so the listeners can, can get to know you a bit. So imagine the South Wales Valleys in 1984. My mother's just, no, I won't start that far. <laughs> um, but I think it's important to for people like us to, to kind of like say, I'm from the South Wales Valleys. I grew up in the South Hills Valleys in, in Blackwood, or so just aside Pantlon Frith. Um, I moved 30 seconds away from from where I, I grew up, my my um, home growing up. So I've never really left. I went to university, University of Glamorgan, as it was back then. So I, I'm very much like a Valleys boy. I yeah. contemplated recently moving from the Valleys and we decided against it because I, I absolutely love it. So it is important to, to say, like, you can go out and see the world and, and travel and also come back to a home in in, yeah. in the valleys, like places where we are, like Kifili. So, but my my background's in astronomy and space science and geology. Planetary geology was on the table for me when I I left university. Yeah, and then quickly got into communicating science and talking about science. I, I started work at TechniQuest, um, which everyone who is from the South Hills Valleys will know and have good memories from, from going to TechniQuest with those little pencils that you could take one out and put it in the bottom and it changes color. Yeah. Those little snappy things you could snap around your wrist. Yeah. Um, those are pretty cool. Nitrogen those... experiment I saw there and uh, yeah. mind, you know, dipping things yeah. and chattering it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so th- that's still my, my job really. I still communicate yeah, yeah. science for a living. I still use liquid nitrogen and dry <laughs> ice and I still blow things up and stuff for a living. So now as much as I love um, my background in, in astronomy, yeah. I've much I've moved into talking as a lot of science communicators have into talking about the climate change, yeah, um, and what's happening to the planet. And and as an outdoors person, I think adventurers and outdoors people are prepped and primed to to talk about climate change because yeah, we spend so much time there, right? Like you guys will have seen yeah. the changes just over the last decade or so um, yeah. that we found. So my my day job now is very much like communicating to the public about science but also then training scientists and athletes how to talk about climate change nice that's amazing because you know it's one of those things i think that's if you do spend time in the mountains even sort of imperceptibly you'll notice the change um in the environment even from year to year i mean since we've been going to the himalaya we've noticed um well kumbu glacier isn't it it's it's gone down the the glacier is i Mm. first went there and then when i went back in last october 2019 the difference is huge like the the yeah. drop from the path to the glacier floor now is mm. about 100 meters where before it was nothing but i think the yeah. biggest thing that we've noticed which you must attribute to climate change is the change in the seasons you yeah, know like yeah, we, yeah. we've had to change yeah. the way that we run trips because it now rains a lot later <laughs> into the year and that now yeah. you used to be able to time the end of the monsoon almost with a stopwatch you know you would yeah. know pretty much on this week of this year it's pretty much going to stop and then yep. it surprises you when it gradually one year goes two weeks late 
and then yeah. that two weeks becomes the norm and then you wonder at what point is that going to stop and yeah. i suppose almost imperceptibly you know that's climate change but i think what you're doing which is just getting people like us to perhaps understand a little bit about the, of the science through education right is sorry david yeah is because i know you're big on the education which is why we can learn about this yeah stuff, right very much so. And, you know, we, we started something called the Athlete Climate Academy. Um, yeah, yeah. A, a chap that some, some people might know, Killian Jornet. Yeah, yeah. And he, he and I were very much on the scale because we've got Protect Our Windows, which is a, a wonderful organization, which very much looks at the policy side of it and what we can do as athletes from, from the, the policy side. Yeah, yeah. Um, what we can be doing with our pensions instead of if, if for some reason you have a pension, um, we probably won't have. Who would? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm joking, I'm joking. What's a pension? Um, but, you know, what you can do with policy and, and lobbying and like activism, but we very much wanted to talk about education and the science of it and give athletes then the, the tools that they need to and the confidence that they need to talk about this um, and to understand the changes that are happening, what yeah. the impacts then are. You know, you talk about the Kumbu and the that slowly disappearing. As Welsh people, like we might not understand a what a glacier is because why would we because there's no glaciers in wales (laughs) um but also the impacts that that might have we might think that you know we see polar bears on tv all the time and the icebergs disappearing but we might think well only in fact a few polar bears and that's about it but the kumbu and the the greater himalaya region they are water towers those glaciers for a billion people so once they disappear those those glaciers that's that's fresh water for a billion people that's effectively gone that's that's a lot of fresh water that you know you'll have annual rainfall still and some snow up in the mountains but that what they effectively are is batteries for water they hold and store water there and then they release it in the summer and then they gain it back in the winter but what we're seeing is that they're just not gaining it back at the same rate as they release it and that's happening across the world um so all these like the andes uh, even the mont blanc massif and the the greater alps region that feeds fresh water to you know so many people across the lowlands of europe yeah and they they're slowly disappearing as well. By twenty one hundred, they could like two thirds of them could be gone. Yeah. So it has actual impact. It's not just like we're saying protect the polar bears. It's this will have impact on people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what 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 could we do though? I mean, because I know obviously a lot of a lot of listeners are like booked to go to the Himalayas, they're booked to go to Kili. Um, you know, they're thinking about a high altitude adventure. I mean, what what can we do as kind of individuals? Uh, obviously, you know, from a traveling perspective, you know, obviously, because we, we realize traveling is carbon intensive. You mm-hmm. know, when you fly in, it's not exactly great for the environment, but you've got to fly to get to these places. But what what, what, what more could we do, you think, um, in terms of trying to make a, a little bit of a dent in this impact? We talk about this a lot in the Athlete Climate Academy, especially mm-hmm. with athletes who who need to, to go to the Himalaya or need to like travel. Yeah. And I don't think that it's... I don't think that you're being hypocritical when you say I, I care about the environment and I care about climate change, but I'm also going to take a flight because yeah. a lot of times there's no other option, mm. right? Like if you want to go to the Himalaya and you start in the UK, you could take a boat. That'll take you a good six to eight months yeah, yeah. Uh, to get there. It's even um, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just not uh, feasible. It's, yeah. um, so but for a lot of things, there are like I'd love to see more. If I want to go to the Alps, I'd love to see more active public transport going there. You know, yeah. living in in Wales, we've just taken on the uh, the whole of Wales's um, public transport as a national 
project, right? So it's now nationalized again. The new metro's going in and, and this and that. And that's a, it's a good project because if you want to get people to stop people using their cars, you put them in public transport. So going to, to Germany, for example, if I want to go to yeah. Munich, then I'd love to see more uh, trains that go directly there that, that aren't the most expensive, that aren't a more expensive option than flying. Like, I yeah. find that really weird. Because it is quite expensive, the, isn't it? I know if you, if you go and buy the, still is. the channel and around, yeah, yeah. It's, it's pricey, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. So I think for, for where there's the opportunity to, to make the greener option, then definitely do it. But yeah. then don't feel guilty if there's no other option. That's, that's then, you know, developing new electric planes and new ways to get around, that's, we're very limited as to what we can do um, yeah. in developing those technologies. But where there are kind of greener options, where, uh, you, you know, you can choose to put solar panels on your roof or you can choose to fix the gear that you have instead of buying new gear, mm. which is always a, again, that's something we talk about a lot. Like, um, should we always be buying new gear? Well, actually, for practical reasons, we can't buy gear that's compromised yeah. that won't keep you safe in the outdoors. Exactly. Like, that's not yeah, an option. Yeah, yeah that we have yeah. um i've recently come on board with uh, with rab as one of their ambassadors because they're doing really good stuff as a way of getting to net zero by uh, 2030 yeah. um and they're constantly trying to put new technologies in place that means they're not going to reduce their carbon emissions to zero no one can um yeah. we live in a planet that is um driven by um our impact on it so but what they can do is is get it down as low as possible. Yeah, I think that's something, right? that's something yeah. for all of us to do. Yeah, yeah. Is don't expect everyone to get it to nothing. I think that's not impossible, mm. but try and get it as long as you can. Yeah, interesting. And I think that's good. And I think like you said, I mean, in in this sort of battle against climate change and the impact that we're having on the environment, we are relatively I mean, the science has been there a long time, but actually in terms of action, we're like right at the beginning of the challenge. And I think the doing mm. stuff like what you're doing, like the talks and the education is where it begins. And I think if you can get people at least to be conscious of that, yeah, you know, so little yeah. tiny changes like, you know, renewable water sources, like not bringing plastics where you don't need plastics. And, yeah. and like you said, use the park and ride occasionally <laughs> instead of driving, yeah. you know, each time. Little by little, you know, it's like, you know, people say you stand on the shoulders of giants. Well, we're building the giant right now in order to get <laughs> to where we need to be. Yeah. And I think it, it is shocking, I think. And like, I love what you said at the beginning, by the way, that you can be like, you know, uh, travel the world and be a small town boy from the valley. Yeah. I love that idea. And I think I me and you probably recognize that a little bit. Something I did when I went, I, I, cause I used to live in Australia and, and travel Southeast Asia quite a bit. And then, you know, from Cardiff. I live near Lantrissa now, but yeah, you, it's great coming home. You always come home, don't you? Yeah. It's that feeling, yeah. the, you know, it, it's good to have a good home, I think. Yeah. But, uh, you and, know. And, and that's needed. Like, mm. I still think, I still really believe in the power of travel and seeing other cultures. And it's, it's something I think Wales needs more of. You yeah. know, it's so easy to, to fall into small town mentality of, you know, and things like um, racism and exceptionalism is bred from not knowing other cultures. And yeah. you guys will have seen like how important other cultures are and how important it is to embrace them. We can learn things from them. We can take things and we can give things uh, right. to those as well. And I think it's important to travel to see that we are not the only people on this planet. And when we're making decisions, like uh, whether that's through COVID-19 that we've just experienced, yeah. whether that's through climate change, we are making decisions as a country here now 
that will also impact on the people on the opposite side of the globe. And I think that's important to remember. Yeah. And I think by traveling the world and meeting people as well, it does help you make those little bit, those little changes that perhaps you need to, because when you've got a small, narrow view of the world, you know, doing things like separate and you're recycling seems like a chore until you go to Tanzania and see how they have to live in order to just get the basics that they need. And then it puts things into perspective. And that psychological change makes doing Mm. things like separating your recycling much easier because you realize, well, actually, I don't have to walk 10 miles a day just to get drinking water for that day and then repeat it tomorrow and then the next day and for every day. Um, Interesting as well. I was talking last time I was in, you know, we were talking about the glaciers a minute ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was chatting to a a guy. He was actually on that famous 96 Everest expedition. His name's Nima Tamak and he was our trekking guide. Yeah, great guy. And um, I was asking him and I said, you know, when I, because the Kumba was the first glacier I'd ever seen. And when I saw it, I said, I was surprised. It looks like the surface of the moon. And I was expecting something like crystal white and blue. And he said, well, it used to be like that. You know, you've got uh, the ice fall at the foot of Everest is what yeah. it was like all the way down past uh, Gorekshep. Really? And he said, but actually over the 25 years that he's been guiding in the Himalaya, he's watched it. Shrink. Yeah, that must be quite sad. In and it, and yeah. it doesn't, and it hasn't been coming back. And interesting what you were saying about the water source. 25 years ago, you'd get all your fresh glacier water in Gorekshep yeah. from the glacier. Now you can't. Now when you're in Gorekshep, right. we encourage people to buy bottled mm. water because Which there's no great. clean water source there because the glaciers shrank. Yeah. And that's a tiny little microcosm of what's happening like globally. And yeah. you know, already there are towns that are experiencing that. But luckily yeah. for them, there's enough left to still support, but that's not going to last forever. Um, yeah. So yeah, it really, you know, yeah, to see it visibly like that, and obviously Nima is, you know, very experienced on Everest, goes there every track, well, every season we're able to run because obviously they've, this is our, like we're into, what are we in now, 1st September, we've had to reschedule October now, haven't we? Yeah. We've all, a trekking season, this is the fourth trekking season that's been affected in Nepal, um, which is crazy. But yeah, during during the times when you can run trips, I bet Nima's sort of gone and seen it and seen it in real time. Yeah. I know we've seen it across the five, six years we've been going there, but. But also, you know, when Kathmandu locked down for the first time ever, reportedly you could see Everest from Kathmandu. Yeah, that's that's a good thing of locking down. And again, obviously, that's not going to, as soon as flights and traffic comes back, that's going to go away again. But in terms of understanding the science, that's a very clear visual, easy to understand by any layman. You know, it's not a coincidence. Traffic died down, planes stopped. You can see the air, you can see Everest. Planes yeah, come back, bad. traffic comes back, and now you can't. So it's a simple idea that, well, actually, if you use your car less and you, you try and travel responsibly a little bit more, then you, you'll you'll edge back towards that. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah and that's really easy to, to think that, um, that that's a thing that happens abroad and doesn't happen here. Yeah. But we used to be one of the biggest exporters of fossil fuels in the entire world. One of the richest nations or one of the one of the nations that created more wealth than anywhere in the world. Yeah. In nineteen thirteen, Wales exported fifty-eight million tons of coal. And we bear responsibility yeah. for for a lot of what's happening around the world and a lot of the CO2 that was put into the um into the atmosphere. And it's we used to burn a lot of that here as well. Yeah. Like I think I think I I've I've wiped it from my mind but i was i was recently reminded by my wife actually that in the down by risker there was a power plant um that sat in, in now yeah um so 
like in all the valleys, we would have had all that air pollution, all that smoke yeah. and, and everything else. And we've started um, to slowly kind of get rid of that. Um, but now other countries that are now developing where we developed 100 years ago and, and up, can we now say to them, you can't, you're not allowed to develop because yeah. it's, it's hurting the planet and we've already <laughs> run through that. Bless you. Sorry, I got. Um, I'm waiting for nose operation, so yeah, it's, uh, I'm a bit. I'm a bit nasally at the moment, but all, all, all good fun. It's warm in here, isn't it? I was thinking, geez. So you went the last time you managed to get out. To yeah, yeah. Things. I think you've been uh, pretty much locked down with us, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So um, it's one of the things that I've I've done is kind of moved online more than yeah. anything else. I've not been abroad. Geez, when was the last time I was abroad? I was in the Alps. Uh, a year ago, January. I was actually I was in the Azores with the geology department um, nice. as lockdown was coming, and we were we were doing we had a field trip out there with the geology students, yeah. and we kind of go back on my birthday, February 9th and then we went into lockdown soon after. So it's been a, an interesting wow. time to to create more projects and to to do things that I wouldn't have had time to do because I was yeah. traveling. Um, and a lot of the stuff has just been better online, you know, like in my uh, previously, I remember once I was in Hong Kong at this, this science festival doing a bunch of shows and, and talks and workshops. And then I flew back and then a day later I flew out to Bangladesh to work out there for a few days, like three days and then came back again. Yeah, That kind of stuff I don't need to do. I can do that online. And I think yeah. that that's something yeah. that's been really helpful for some things obviously your job you can't do from the whole thing yeah. is traveling right but for the, uh... that, again where there's that greener opportunity that greener option if we can take it and say yeah. right let's run this training session online instead of me flying to bangladesh then we'll do that yeah it's, it's interesting because it did force i mean a lot of the travel industry obviously you know has shut down essentially and it's still impacted because of the restrictions you know i mean we run we had our first trip uh weekend before last, which was in uh, Mount Tubcal in Morocco. And nice. uh, look, at, look at that, look at the bang on coffee there. <laughs> Love it. Got fuel the fire, mate. You've got to keep going. Um, but yeah, that was our first trip that we've ran uh, since March, where we had, um, I mean, we did Killy the end of February into March and then came back. I think I went skiing for a week, came back, and then it was lockdown. A whole new world. And it's, but it's forced us to have an, okay, we can't travel right now. What, what, do, what, do, our, what do people need? You know, because they they still need that. You know, people still got itchy feet. They they got the desire to travel. So we started. Um, I mean, not not just the podcast, but we started the Tuesday tune in on Facebook, um, which yeah. is basically us being there for our, our customers and our you know our, our followers, if you like, um, who need to talk about travel and 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 just be in that zone because they can't go anywhere. You know, so it's definitely pushed us to do something different, isn't yeah. it? And which has been great in a way because everyone we we ran a training weekend last week in um uh talgarth and brecon beacons um right. and just to meet it was only uh, i think it was 11 of our ever trackers but which was great to see them again but all of them were like oh, i feel like i know you now because i've seen you on the tuesday tune in and it's yeah. you know so it, it, even though covid forced us to not travel and be more visible online there's so many positives that can come out of that um yeah. like you said that we don't necessarily have to travel to have that engagement with people where we can do that visually and, and, and like this, essentially. Yeah, you know? Well, this conversation, you know, things like this have bred yeah. from, you know, when you're doing the day-to-day, -day, particularly how busy we were just running trips, running trips, you do get locked into that cycle yeah. of, 
booking people on, sending them on trips, booking them, and that becomes yeah. your main focus. Yeah. Well, actually, postponing, although I really want to get back to sending people, yeah. it did allow us to do things like focus on, okay, well, I've got all this time on our hands. Maybe we can put more effort into things yeah. like, you know, our own carbon offset in which we try to do now. So yeah. every time a track, um, a track of books, yeah, we plant a tree, right? Through, yeah, through yeah, uh, yeah. a company called Mossy Earth, um, who again a carbon offsetting company, but they're, they're not just, you know, because I think there's quite a few out there like that. Like, okay, good, you plant a tree, which is great, but they 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 do a lot more than that. It's like rewilding projects and yeah. and, and there's specific things, not just about planting trees. Um, but yeah, that was something we wanted to get involved in because uh, we um, I, I'm not sure you've you've heard of it. Um, back in May last year, so again during lockdown. Um, in the travel industry, um, there was a, a company called uh, Declare a Climate Emergency. I don't know if you've heard of that. No. Um, and essentially, there was about seven or eight um, signatories um, who basically started this. And that was basically a commitment to reduce uh, carbon emissions 55 percent by 2030. So we go back not to quite not to not quite to get it down to zero, but at least make commitment yeah. to do that. And, and then we joined on top of that. So then we've tried to bring things in, which is, again, this this mossy earth relationship is one of the things we're doing but you know again it's i suppose we, we've because yeah we're not we're not perfect you know like I, I drive a truck um which i know isn't great for the environment it was i mean this was just before but i kind of visually now i'm thinking right what what can i um how can i how can i affect that personally you know obviously okay you okay, have to get rid of the truck and which is which is nice and i enjoy it but i know it's not great for the environment so maybe i can look at a tesla you know <laughs> I, I do love teslas but they're bloody expensive um so yeah, just looking at things like that and, and and internally what we can do, and then as a business, has been quite uh, you know a great journey to be a part of. Obviously, I've only just starting, um, but loads of other travel companies and um, suppliers and people involved in the travel industry are getting getting onto this now, and it's like four hundred people on it now. Uh, companies, you know, wow. which is yeah, uh, and which is great. It's a it's an interesting time in the travel industry and also in. Um, sports across the world yeah. uh, as to how we kind of lessen our impact. And I say lessen our impact because as we keep saying, there's no way to kind of completely get rid of our impact yeah. as humans. There's over 7 billion of us. We're going to have some kind of impact, but how can we, how can we lessen it? And also how can we practically do it as well? Mm. Like you, you probably need something that's large to transport kit around as yeah, yeah. do yeah. I. I, you know, I, that's something that, that I need as well. Um, but also you have to live within your means as well. Like Tesla's cost a lot of money um, yeah. and the industry is moving forward at a pace. Um, so electric cars are starting to come down down in price. But then I've got a, a friend who just bought a Nissan Leaf that does 80 miles on a full charge. Well, yeah. if you want to, I've got to go up to Scotland next week. <laughs> yeah. that, would, that would be a lot of stops along yeah. the way and it's not practical to yeah. do that. So it is, it is incumbent upon policymakers, um, yeah. industry to lead the way. And it needs to be a symbiotic relationship. They've seen that now that we want that change yeah. as a, as a society, we want to the more uh, EV electric vehicle infrastructure. Yeah. Um, I really want to see the Welsh government push forward and put in um, infrastructure across Wales and they are starting to do it. There are more EV charging stations at many more places than I've seen abroad, which is great. That's good. Um, but also the the price of electric vehicles needs to come down too. Yeah. Um, and there are multiple reasons why that isn't happening yet. I think a breakthrough in battery technology will will be a big part of that. Yeah. Um, 
but we just don't have the secondhand cars yet. They're so new yeah. that we just don't have good secondhand Teslas um, being kind of put on. So, you know, the, the people who made the, the petrol and diesel engines would have rode horses before they made those cars, right? Like you have, yeah. to, you have to travel on the things that you have before you can make the new stuff. So we shouldn't feel bad about driving petrol and diesel cars yeah. Because it's what we have and it's what we can afford know, currently. Like Wales is not a, a super rich country. It's not as yeah. poor as people make it out to be. We're like up the, the 60th in the world. Um, but at the same time, like we can't expect everyone to go out and buy a Tesla tomorrow yeah. um, and start driving EVs. The infrastructure isn't there to begin with. And you know, also autonomous vehicles will be here soon enough as well we're seeing big changes across the sector so i'm i'm super excited about what wales is doing in terms of the climate emergency um and i and i think society is and we all are pushing that and driving that yeah nice now hopefully i mean i you know i'd like to think over the next few years like you said new battery technologies new things like that it'll enable us at least from our vehicle perspective to to change and then ultimately then you want that to go back as well because when you plug the car in the wall you would love that electricity to be coming yeah. from something that's either you know that, that that's that's generated it, it, generated fossil in a greener yeah. way not yeah. from fossil fuels like coal coal powered um you know power plants and stuff like that you'd love to see the end of that and um have more sort of um greener options like yeah. wind or water i've heard interesting things about hydrogen they can make it from seawater you know so okay you transfer seawater into a, you know <laughs> that's where you would get your fuel essentially and then all that comes out of the exhaust would be water vapor you know yeah. so but i, I and, and for, for the industry like for, yeah. for us uh, as travelers we're going to start seeing more and more of these kind of technologies coming in um wales is really really well placed uh, in our natural resources, and I don't just mean coal, I mean in the hydroelectricity that we can yeah. produce, in marine energy, um, <clears throat> the, with the, the the potential seven barrage has been a potential for as long as I yeah, can I've remember. Yeah, I've heard about that for years now, isn't it? I know that the surface yeah, yeah. not too happy about that. But... Well, interestingly, so I'll get on to that in a second, but yeah, like, yeah. We, we also got the largest onshore wind farm uh, in the UK at Penacamoyth. Um We've got great solar energy that Contrary to popular belief, the sun doesn't need to be shining all the time to get good solar energy. Um, That's good too. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, So we are actually rich in natural resources and renewable resources. Uh, So Wales could definitely be like, we we create an an export two times as much energy as we need at the moment. And a lot of that comes from gas. But we could do the same with with um, renewable energies yeah. as well. So you know, think and things like the the seven barrage, um, which would create I think up to five percent of the UK's total energy, uh, which is kind of insane. Over two hundred turbines that run across there. What we will be seeing in in the near future, and this will impact the travel industry as much as anything else, is we're going to see changes in sea level um, sea level rise. Mm-hmm. We're going to see changes in where you can and can't go. And flooding is a is the thing we're going to see most in the in UK and Wales. Yeah. So barrages like that will actually everything up the seven it'll manage the flood risks yeah. from that. So good it's thought. actually a, a good thing when it comes to flood management. Um, that obviously, the people who surf the tidal bore won't get that quite as much. Yeah. I'm not sure if they can open all the floodgates and still let the tidal bore through, or if it'll still happen post it. I'm not sure, but yeah, to we've got to think about like do we want to create that energy and have an impact there 
or do we want you know air pollution at the moment you mentioned Kathmandu it kills 10, 10, million, 10 million people every single year so it's like it's one or the other we have to yeah. have an impact somewhere if we want that energy and so renewables just the best way it. to get it I know it, it, it does are going to have to take a hit for us I think. <laughs> but that tidal board uh, is one of the, like the top second in the world yeah, second in the world isn't it yeah, yeah. yeah so in Canada tremendous energy yep. potentials there I think I think as well, um, you know, if we look back to your athlete uh, climate academy, I think that's one really interesting yeah. idea, I think, and a way to get that information out is because if you, a lot of people in our industry and in the outdoors industry, we have idols, we look up to people, we see people like Killian, like Nims and stuff, and we really yeah. do like idolize these guys. And I think if those people are pushing the message, yeah. you know, it will filter down through everyone in there because 100%. people buy their books they follow them, they watch their TV shows, and they model themselves after these people, and they inspired yeah. by them to get out and do stuff. And if part of that inspiration is, well, this is how I do it, you know, mm. and this is the way that looks after the mountains, and I think that'll really make a big difference. So, it's, yeah, you know, we were, it was, it's funny, isn't it, that, you know, we really started focusing on this, and then we realized that you're about 50 feet below us as we speak <laughs> like, you know, like you're in the same we're gonna come down after this you, you realize that you're in the, like, Hello, you're in the same building and it, it, it's it's funny you know if, if uh, the moment your eyes are open you realize who yeah. and what is sort of at your fingertips to make it make a bit of a difference and yeah. i think you know people listening to this you know if they check you out on instagram check out the athlete climate academy and and go to one of your talks which would be amazing at the kendall mountain festival i think if they see you guys and yeah. able to talk to you i think i i honestly do think at least in at least in our community and our and the people that go to the mountains, it'll make a big difference, and then that'll filter out, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's um, that's exactly one of the reasons I approached Killian in the first place. Like we started chatting last November about the ability to do something. He started the Killian Journey Foundation, which is yeah. a, a wonderful foundation that he has. He's he hasn't just started that and like let it run as a, a bit of greenwashing for him to to kind of like wash his hands of the travel that he does. He's actively in it, and they do some really good stuff. And we talked about like how can we use the platform that he has, but also the skills that I have to give um, athletes the confidence that they need to talk about yeah. climate change and influence the community and, uh, the, and the spheres that they're in, you know. Um, so they've all got, like you say, like big platforms, like Killian's got a million followers on, on Instagram. So when he starts talking about stuff, people listen. Yeah. Um, people people trust that he knows what he's talking about. And do you know what he does? Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, when we started the Athletic Climate Academy, we really wanted to, we wanted something that when we ran our first live session, that there was other stuff to go back to. So for months, he, he had a, a brief break, he hired us in um, April, May, but for about two months, he went out to the Himalaya to, um, to do some routes. And, but either side of that, we were doing every Friday night, we were speaking to new scientists and um, athletes about their experiences. Yeah. We were talking about, talking about you know, what we can do as athletes to, to influence our followers, but also um, people, speaking to people like Trees Not Tees, Moss Youth, uh, again, speaking to them, all about um, our impact on the environment. And it was all, in, actually, in fact, we... In our last one, which our next live is on the 23rd of September, and we spoke to Adam Campbell, who's up in the British Columbia at the moment. Yeah. And one of the first things he said was, I'm not an expert. Um, I don't really have anything to say. And I was like, that's the whole point. Like, yeah. everyone has um, 
has something to say. They yeah. have local experiences. They've seen things. They've done things that will have uh, an impact. And if it's always the experts that are talking about stuff, then no one will listen. We need the people in our own circles yeah. to start talking about it. So to have you guys kind of talking about climate change, then the ever trekkers that come on your trips will start noticing it as well. If you talk exactly. about the kumbu and, and the, the, the lack of fresh water, if you tell them about, tell the stories of the changes that you've seen, you know, in Tubcal, I was speaking to one of our hosts about the, the seasons that they have, the apples yeah. that they grow and the almonds and everything else. And how they rely so much on the water. Um, you know, the, the high atlas hasn't seen a glacier in like 10,000 years. So they rely on the snowfall each year. Mm. And that's going to happen elsewhere. That'll happen in the Alps. That'll happen yeah. in the Himalaya and the Andes, where they're just reliant on each season. So telling people these stories makes people switch on to it and, and care. And that in turn makes the politicians turn around and say, right, my, my constituency cares about this. That'll yeah. give me an excuse to go out and do something about it. Yeah, I hate that it's that way around, but it is. Yeah, I mean that's that's the way. Again, we can reach these guys, isn't it? Through for all of us talking about it and influencing all the people that we connected with. Yeah, then we'll eventually they'll vote the right way, right? <laughs> you know, because if, like you said, if if certain constituents are actually have these ideas, okay, let, let, you know, how do we affect this? How do we affect this? I suppose that's how we help, isn't it? In in a way, um, by influencing it is literally people literally by talking about it like and again with the athlete climate academy that's one of the things that we say is you know for these these people who have hundreds of thousands of followers these athletes talk about it put a a tweet out once a week or like put an instagram post out every now and then just talking about the things that you've seen on your travels um or the things that you're doing one of the things athlete climate uh, sorry killian journey foundation is doing is asking new kind of um trail races and new events to maybe not have a helicopter to to cover the footage or to create the footage yeah. or asking trees not tees asking people to um not take a t-shirt from a, a trail event but plant a tree instead nice those like that, those kind of tees. things yeah yeah have a look for trees not tees it's from by jim in, um <laughs> yeah i always get it wrong and i say tees not trees but it's the opposite way right? <laughs> yeah. that's another story right? yeah <laughs> That's another story. But we had on and, and to talk about it, and they're doing some wonderful stuff up there in Scotland as well. Yeah. So it is. It's just getting people to talk about it more. So it's more yeah. in the it's the zeitgeist of we're in climate mode now. Yeah. What can we do about it? Yeah, I also think it's good as well. I mean, whether we like it or not, we are in a social media age of influencers. You know, the way if people can sell makeup, you know, <laughs> like through through using <laughs> yeah. influencers, then is this a new venture for Evertrek or? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's Dave's adventure. Isn't yeah, it? yeah that's, <laughs> I mean, that's my little side project. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, you can make you can make it you can make anything you're passionate about like cool yeah. with the people that you know that follow you. And and also we want to keep going. You know, I want to still yeah. like my, my I yeah. took my father to Everest Base Camp when he was sixty, and then again when he was sixty-two. Well, I'm thirty-eight. Wow. I want to be able to still go and have yeah, it be in a, yeah, exactly. a similar condition now. You know, I don't want to have a story like Nima and be the old guy sitting there telling all the young people what it was like in my day. I would like them to still be able to see what it was like in my day. Because yeah. I could tell Nima yeah. was quite, you know, it was emotional about it wasn't it wasn't over the it wasn't overly thrilled with the, the idea yeah. of me saying it looks like the surface of the moon. It's just rock and dust. And he was saying, well yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but 25 years ago, you should have been there. It looked like this. Yeah. And my dad, when he's 62, like he, we went there, he saw it. And when I'm 62, I like to be able to go back and be able to say to people like, oh, yeah, look, you it's, the, it's more or less the same. And that's yeah. because of this. Mm. 
And that's because of yeah. these changes. And I remember chatting to uh, Hugh way back when. <laughs> Look what's yeah. happened now, you know, and that, that would be a great yeah. story. And even if just well, people and- were putting this out. Unfortunately, take some pictures, man, because the, yeah. the changes that, that, that we've been making are baked in. Like mm. the the amount of carbon we put into the atmosphere over, since the industrial age, that's we've seen a warming by just over one degree, about 1.1 degrees. And the changes that we've made so far are baked in. So by 2100, the things that we do now yeah. will will lessen the effects, but they are baked in. You'll see a massive reduction in almost all the glaciers around the world. There are yeah. one or two that are regenerative glaciers, but the vast majority will deplete by an awful lot. And yeah. like you say, I, I, I go to the Meta Glass most, most years and, and do stuff there. Um, the Solheim Jokul up in, um, up in Iceland. Yeah. And it's weird to, to say an inanimate object is unhealthy, but the Meta Glass, and I, I'm, I'm assuming uh, the Kumbu, look unhealthy. Yeah, like yeah, they yeah. they look like they are sick it's noticeable, um, isn't it? it's noticeable and you know the, from a superficial point of view it doesn't look as good yeah. and i enjoy it when a, a glacier looks healthy yeah. but then from that non-superficial point of view that has massive repercussions for everyone else and it's not like a downer to say just to just say the facts and say it's gonna get worse yeah it is it's yeah. going to get worse. But what we've seen from the recent IPCC report is that changes that we are making yeah. um, are having a difference. We are making a difference yeah. in those changes that we've, we've made. So now is the time to make more change and to push the, your, um, your representatives to, to vote for, for better climate policies. Like I said, in Wales, we just tend to be really good at it. And I'm really, really proud of what we're doing. Yeah. Um, but we can do more. And we can do it faster. Yeah. Um, so still keep pushing those people to, to do more. Yeah. Um, but prepare for the fact that we're going to have more extreme weather conditions uh, across Wales, across the UK, and across the world. Glaciers will dwindle um, by a lot. There's been, there's been pl- times in the past where we've had no ice on the earth whatsoever. We could be heading in that direction again if we don't start curbing our, our, climate, um, sorry, our carbon emissions. Um, or we could slow that change down. It's all a mitigation yeah. at the moment. It's all like, how can we, if we reduce our carbon emissions by X, by by X, so by 2030, reduce them by yeah. whatever, what we can do is we can stop the, the worsening of these events and yeah. the, the, the speed at which the glaciers recede. But like I said, take some pictures because... Yeah. You'll, you'll notice it more. Yeah. Well, it's, um, I mean, uh, anyone that's listening, I've, I've said this to people before, like, you know, there's no better time to see these things because they are disappearing. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's not a sales pitch to anyone that's listening. That's the truth of it. Um, you yeah. know, like I'm, I'm a big uh, scuba diver. I started scuba diving over 15 years ago. And I noticed the difference on the, the reefs I dived, even over yeah. the like six, seven year period. Um, you know, that's underwater. And then I've seen what it's like in the mountains. And yeah. I'm like, wow, you know, enjoy it while you can. But then I'm t- trying to flip it on the positive. Is that right, guys? There's not, there's never going to be a better time to see these things yeah. than now, because, yeah. like you said, that you know, they're, they're, they're going to be disappearing. Um, and obviously, you know, if you're listening, you are in the right place <laughs> because yeah. we do go to some of these places. But um, so, Hugh, with, with obviously what you got going on in the future, I know you're going to Kendall Mountain Festival. What um, I will put some details in the show notes as well for any listeners, obviously who are, who are listening just so they can maybe, uh, you know, obviously catch you there. 
Um, but yeah, well, and you mentioned because you, you've got the podcast as well, haven't you? Which is with Killian. Um, I think well, yeah. you've got like nine, ten episodes on there already. Which I know I've listened to a few; they're really good. Um, yeah. So with that, yeah, Athlete Climbing Academy, we've tried to make it uh, as many different approaches as we possibly can. There's yeah. some stuff for teachers on there, some experiments that you can do that are uh, for um, uh, climate in climate science. Yeah. We've got some animations to, uh, to download. So any athletes going into schools to talk about. Uh, they like an inspirational talk or to talk about the thing, the things that they've done. Yeah. If they want to drop in some of those animations, if they want to talk about climate change or even plastic pollution, yeah. um, you know, we had uh, Imogen Napper I'm working with who did a wonderful um, study with National Geographic where they looked at on the, on Everest, where was the most amount of microfibers, plastic microfibers on Everest. Plastics. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Amy did the um, did the research on that. She yeah. analysed the um, the, the uh, all the samples that came back and found. I remember talking to her on the on the podcast, and they, in science, you couldn't ask for a better outcome. I mean, it was pretty pretty crappy <laughs> outcome, yeah. but the analysis is really good. That just where where you find people, you find microplastics, yeah. um, and microfibers and microplastics are anything less than five millimeters that are made of plastic, yeah. and they tend to come from tops that we wear. You know, um, okay. it, I still find people that are surprised by the fact that a lot of the what you guys are wearing now and what I'm wearing will be made of some kind of plastic. Yeah, we think of plastic as this hard thing that um, paper bag, uh, plastic bags, and things that they crinkles and stuff. Yeah. It's really soft as well if you use it in the right way. And what they found on Everest was that the the further you go away from the main paths, the less microfibers you find. The further away you went from the camps, the less microfibers you find. Okay. So it was just super yeah. obvious that it was people that were putting those microfibers on uh, Everest. And it was from the, the sleeping bags that we use and the tents that we use yeah. and the, the jackets that we use. So Amy was, it was great to have on there. And I'm working with her on a new, a, a few new science projects at the moment. So we've done um, a lot of those animations. Yeah. We've got, we've made it in podcast form for anyone who listens to podcasts when they go running yeah. and in video form for people who just want to sit down and have a look. And me and Killian are both doing this in our quote unquote spare time. You know, he's a he's an, a, one of the best athletes in the world that has two kids and a bunch of side projects. Yeah. I work with National Geographic. I train their um, uh, their explorers to talk about science, and I've got a, a hundred and one projects here back at home as well. Yeah. And we are doing this. We, we're talking about whether we take on sponsorship at the moment or not, or whether we keep it small. But we're trying our best to kind of put all these things together yeah. and to give information to athletes who want to talk about climate change. And our next live will be on September 23rd, yeah. um, where it's me and Killian talking and, and putting in um, pre-recorded interviews. And then uh, we're talking to Kendall Munter Festival at the moment about doing a, a live, ver- an actual live version yeah. with real people. Uh, all in in one place about Kendall Mike. That? That's mad, right? Is it? <laughs> yeah, crazy. So that's every eighteen months. Yeah, that, that's at the end of uh, the end of November. So awesome. Yeah, we we've got a lot of stuff uh, happening. We're talking about getting athletes together to talk about climate in in more ways and being open and honest. Yeah. Pushing their sponsors to do better. Um, you know, a lot of them will be sponsored by different organizations. There are some that do better than others. So how as athletes and outdoors people, if we are supported by a particular brand, yeah. how can we then turn around and say, you should do better. We should do better together. It's not about, one of the things I keep pushing is it's not about pointing fingers. Yeah. I've been trying to 
to get a, a brand on board with a new bit of science that I'm doing at the moment. And do you know what? It's been really difficult to get a brand to get a, an outdoor brand to admit they pollute the environment. Like, <laughs> yeah. funnily enough, yeah, it's um, it's kind of obvious that that everyone does it and has an impact. But getting yeah. an actual brand to turn around and say, "We hold our hands up, yeah. we pollute the environment. We're going to try and be better," and without pointing fingers. And yeah. do you know what? Rab has been really good. Is on the website athleteclimateacademy.com. It's a really nice conversation with uh, with Debbie, who is CSR up at Rab, okay. and Equip, who make Low Alpine as well. And they're very much of that mindset of like, yeah, we are polluting the environment. We yeah. have a, a, an impact. We understand this, and we're trying to be better. Please help us be better at it. You know, and that's what we want. So instead of pointing the finger, they're pulling their finger out. That's what they're doing, right? That's what. what... Exactly right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. And yeah, there's no one on planet Earth that can say, "I have." Maybe some people, but like definitely no one in the UK who can say, "I have no impact on the environment." But without pointing fingers at each other and saying, "You need to do this and you need to do that," Mm. is what can we all do together uh, to make our planet our impact less? Nice. Well, Hugh, yeah, um, mate, really appreciate um, obviously coming on today. Uh, obviously, it's, been, it's, it's been really, it's quite quite nice to talk. And that's a nice one word, insightful. Yeah. Um, just because obviously we're, you know, we're, we don't know everything and we're, and we're always learning as well. And yeah, the things we obviously want to learn, which it was great today. Um, obviously, we'll share that with with our uh, followers and, and, you know, obviously our ever trackers. Um, you know, obviously, we'll, we'll be putting this out um, hopefully over the next couple of weeks. I'll send you obviously all the um all the all the stuff you could share it but mate honestly it's been fantastic dave yeah. and i always i always ask dave for the final thought no it's fascinating yeah, yeah. and, and uh, i honestly think that you know like you said just by talking about it people yeah. don't have to be extreme they don't have to become what, what's called freegan vegan and live off the land and you know only wear clothes that are made of bark they just have to you know they can just do little tiny changes and collectively yeah. if everybody does it collectively that'll make a huge difference and yeah. you know interesting what you said about everest there because i read that there's no um uh they found running water melting ice on camp two which they've never well, recorded before that's crazy, on camp yeah. two on everest there was like melting ice and some running ice water you know which uh, the mm-hmm. climbers had never seen before um, so it's definitely is having an effect and it's getting higher and higher. Yeah, that's like six and a half thousand, yeah. right? Yeah, about six yeah, and a half thousand meters yeah. that they found like it's running just... war at six and a half thousand meters. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the glacier on Killy, that's shrinking. You only got to look at historical satellite yeah. footage of that to know that's shrinking. There's a, there's so, a wonderful video by Will Gadd um, yeah. all about all about that, that ice on top of Killy. They just found rainfall on uh, the, the highest summit in Greenland. Yeah. So, wow. like I say, yeah. uh, let, let me fill in a, a final thought for you that uh, the changes are coming. We need to be ready for it. Um, we need to, to lessen our impact as fast and as quick as possible. But that doesn't mean for, for, the, for, the things that, for the decisions we make where there is a greener option, choose that greener option. Yeah. For the decisions that we can make where there isn't a greener option, like flying to the Himalaya, for example, yeah. currently there is no better option for us than taking a flight. Then we shouldn't feel guilty about taking that flight. We can still... Yeah. If we can lessen, we can lessen our impact, um, but where we can just make that greener option. If you see something in the supermarket where there's one, there's one produced in in Spain and there's one bit vegetable produced locally, choose that. If yeah. you are choosing a, a car and you have an equal opportunity to choose uh, a, a diesel or a, a, an electric, and you feel that that electric will work for you, then choose mm-hmm. that. If you're thinking about your energy consumption and 
you can choose a solar panel, then choose it. Like yeah. you don't have to, to go out of your way to limit yourself to absolutely zero consumption to have a good impact on the environment. Yeah. Nice. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Dave, um, that was great. Wasn't it talking, catching up with you? Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, he, he has a fascinating career, I think, you know, and yeah. some of the things that he's seen, the things that he's striving for, uh, they're really important, you know, and it goes to show that, uh, you know, this one guy from Wales with a passion for the environment, for science and adventure, because actually he's going to make a change. And I think he's doing yeah. the right thing. I'm uh, yeah, it's good. To, it's good to know. No, hundred percent. It was great to have him on, um, you know, Mount Malarkey podcast. I think, you know, um, absolutely great uh, interviews, isn't he? I know he knows his stuff. And uh, I know we're kind of ca- we, we caught up with him um, obviously afterwards, uh, which was great to go down there. I didn't realize he was how good a photographer he is. I mean, some of the astro stuff was amazing. Yeah, he's really got like um, I think once you're that sort of mindset though, like he's a he's a scientist at heart, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's a science presenter, and once he does that, he's going to be good at anything like that, yeah. you know. So the you know he's got a passion for physics, a passion for photography. But really, I think it's his passion for the environment and the things that he's yeah. striving for that are that are really special. But no, I um I dare say he's going to make an appearance again on the Mate and Malaki podcast. 100%. He's going to, yeah, I think we need to get him back um, as a frequent flyer. Yeah, definitely. I know we we've had chats with him about um, potentially doing a killy trip um, and photography. So that's a to be continued thing. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, if if you've um, enjoyed today's uh, Mate and Malaki podcast, don't forget to. Uh, leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts because you know it really makes a difference. And believe it or not, the more people leave reviews, then sort of Apple goes, Hey, this is a good one, and, and, and it shows it to more people. So, yeah, if you've enjoyed it, if you've gleaned a golden nugget, as Dave uh, always says, then yeah. you know it'd be great if you can leave us a review, it makes a hell of a difference. Um, and yeah, we got some, uh, some other good interviews coming up as well. I know we got Andy, um, who's coming up, and then yeah, towards uh, the end of the year. And then into 2022. Dave, can't believe we're almost into 2022, mate. I know, yeah. It's uh, time flies when you're avoiding a pandemic, right? But um, <laughs> uh, but it no, does. it's awesome, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to the chat with Andy as well. Andy, yeah. if it's someone that I've um, I've I've known about since I was quite young, and um, yeah, now I actually know him. Um, and yeah, he's a fascinating character and uh, a yeah. true story of sort of resilience through adversity so um yeah he's gonna be he's gonna have a big story to tell nice all right dave great stuff well yeah thanks for listening guys and we'll catch you on the next episode of the mountain malarkey podcast take it easy